league reconstruction in the SPFL is dead in the water. After talks collapsed last week, there will be no stay of execution for Stranra, who slipped down to League 2. But Brecon will survive the drop out of the SPFL as Kelty Hearts and Brora Rangers are denied a playoff. Reconstruction has, of course, been agreed in the juniors. This weekend would have seen a lot of clubs in the West play their final ever matches at that level before taking their places in the West of Scotland League. Ockinleck were awarded the final West Juniors title on a points per game basis, but had Glen Afton won all their matches in hand, they too would have been ahead of Kilwinning Rangers, who led the way when the league was stopped. Three seasons ago, the Glens did lift the West Premier title as well as the Scottish Cup. Their captain, Craig Menzies, is in his 10th season at the club and joins us tonight. We'll talk to him about his career and the future. Despite playing football being off the agenda just lately, Craig has still had plenty on his plate during the lockdown in his role as the Macmillan Cancer Supports Programme Manager in Glasgow. We'll chat to him about that too. There might have been plenty of infighting all over the shop in Scottish football just lately, but we're all in this together on Down the Divisions. Well, there's been plenty of acrimony about, as I say, and last week's show, looking at the juniors game, certainly sparked some debate too, Paul. Yeah, I've uh, been inundated with comments from uh, last week's show. Uh, it certainly has sparked debate. Uh, I thought Larry Duncan made some uh, great points from the East, and it was actually great to get a perspective from all the various divisions. Hi, it was great to get everybody's point of view, and uh, I think it, it made it a bit more clearer for everybody out there of... Uh, where everybody's sitting at the moment. We also heard on the show last week that Ashfield were donating half their gate money from their donator ticket fundraising initiative for what should have been New Main's final fixture of the season on on Saturday. But sounds like they've gone even further than that. Guys at Ashfield have been brilliant, Gareth. Uh, I can't thank Ryan Dackhill enough and, and the rest of the board there. Not only did they raise money through the donator ticket scheme, but they generously donated three quarters of the fee uh, obviously because our club has been vandalised and we can't thank them enough at New Mains and it uh, certainly won't, won't be forgotten. Good to, good to see Scottish football working together at, uh, at the juniors level at least. Good to have you all listening. We're here every Wednesday with a new episode. If you've got any comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. So, Glen Afton, Captain Craig Menzies is our guest this evening. Craig, thanks for thanks for joining us. We'll come on to to how work has been affected by the lockdown later. But what about personally and football-wise? How's how's lockdown been for you? Uh, challenging, I guess. I mean, it all happened quite quickly, didn't it? It was it was a couple of weeks of, I guess, uncertainty what was going to happen. You know, should we still be training? Will games go ahead and that that kind of thing? But you know, once it finally lockdown it was a bit of a shock to the system you know going from being out at work from you know seven eight in the morning till four five at night home quite dinner changed out to training twice a week game on a saturday to then all of a sudden having you know <laughs> pretty much full time in the house uh, with the little ones it's been quite challenging but it's been great you know, i've got two wee kids two and five so it's been great to spend some time with them and you know the weather's been a bit of a godsend um, quite fortunate it's been decent weather I've got a garden so I've been out and about you know I live in between two great golf courses that have opened themselves for walks and runs and whatever right. so try to keep myself active as much as we possibly can um, out and run out a cycle every day and just try to spend some time with the kids obviously you know working from home brings its own challenges um, you get the kids try to get in the video calls and the phone calls and, and whatnot but Listen, that is what it is, and you know I think it's it's got to be done, and and it's it'll be interesting to see what happens once you know things do get back to some kind of normality, both in terms of work situation and football situation. Good stuff. Well, before we chat some some more, we've got the the down the divisions decider. Uh, we've got four clues that relate to a particular year. Paul, we've still not got one right yet, and uh, now it's your turn in the hot seat to try again. I'm confident this week. Well, a guest hasn't got one right yet. No. So. <laughs> to be fair, I listened to a couple of your shows in the world before I was born. I don't believe that. <laughs> but, well, you can't have this excuse this time, Craig, that's all I'm saying. Ten years at Glen Afton? No, surely not. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, I'm looking for the year 
that Bathgate Thistle beat Cumnock to win the Scottish Junior Cup. OJ Simpson was found guilty of charges of kidnapping and armed robbery. Spotify was launched and James Bond film Quantum of Solace was released. Don't all jump at once. Oh, but the OJ Simpson thing's throwing me here. Has he been done twice? Uh, <laughs> um, generally not that clear. I'll, I'll go 2006, 2005, two, 2006. I'm pretty sure I joined up the year after they get beaten in the final, but I'm not quite sure if it was, if it was against Barkey and, and what, what year it was. Let's say 2000, 2006. 2006, right, Paul? I'm going to go 2000 and 2008. 2008, right. Well, we'll come back to find out the answer at the end of the show. Glen Afton captain Craig Menzies is our guest tonight. Uh, Craig, I mentioned at the start how, in theory, you could have caught Kill Winning. Yeah, yeah. like were given the title on a points-per-game basis. What, what were your thoughts on, on that decision when, when you'd heard it? It's a hard one, you know. I think, I, I think knowing Talbot and knowing, knowing the way that they've you know, caught up with other games in, the previ- in previous years, it's hard to argue that, that they wouldn't have went on that big run and won most of their games, particularly when, you know, the way the league works, they're playing against a lot of teams that have got nothing to play for, you know, and it's and Talbot have got a, a, a really strong squad where they can... You know, pull players in now. They're still in the Scottish, so there's still competition there. They're still driving for for, for competition. So it's hard to see past them. Um, it is a shame for for the Buffs. You know, they've, they've been in a great run and rightly so sat at the top of the table at that point. So it's really difficult. It's a difficult position either way. You know, and, and obviously you look at the other leagues in Scotland, and there's some leagues that are a lot closer, um, and there's, there's a bit more controversy with that. So I think. You can see going just by the press and social media, the debates, you know, ongoing for every single league in the country. But for me, it's quite as likely that Talbot would have won it, albeit I would have liked to have seen, you know, potentially some kind of way of finishing the season, rightly, rightly so. Give the guys that are up there, the buffs themselves, Paul, you know, a bit of credit for being up there as well. How do you feel Glen Afton's season has gone? I mean, you could have caught Kilwinning, couldn't you? You you could have Right uh, now, you could be going into the final weekend of the season aye, with it all uh, to play for. I mean, we've been very, we've been a bit up and down this year, and and really like thin margins. Um, there's been games we've dropped quite a lot of points with last minute goals. Um, games that we really should have won, we've not, you know, we've been maybe been ahead in games and not put the game to bed, dropped points, and it's really cost us. Um, but in saying that, you know, we've, we went to Pollock, we beat them, we beat Auchinleck convincingly at home, we beat. The buffs at home. Um, I think it suits us when we play teams that, that come at us and teams that, that expect to to try and get three points, and that suits us. So we we, we tend to play better against the better teams uh, or the, the teams higher up in the league. Um, so it's a bit disappointing actually because we did hope to be challenging right throughout the season. And similarly with you know the way we went out cups, we're both the same. You know, games we should have won and games we, we didn't put the game to bed and we get punished for. So, disappointing. Obviously, Glen Afton a, a huge club in the juniors and you've just mentioned there, you know, some of the, the, the big scalps that you've took this season. What's the sort of club and fans' perspective about uh, you leaving the junior ranks this year? Um, I think I have a mixed reception. There's, there's a wee bit of excitement there. People are thinking, right, great, this whole conference situation would bring us against new teams, different teams we've not played in a while, instead of the same kind of bunch of teams that we've been playing in the Premier League for a number of years. But then there's a, a bit of concern that, without any disrespect to some of the teams from the lower divisions, you know, every second, third week, you could have been playing get, games where you're winning really comfortably. And, and is that quite as exciting as playing, you know, every week's a, a must-win game against a, dec- a, a decent outfit who'll try, and, who'll try and play against you. So I think it was a bit of a mix. You know, now it's happened and now the, the leagues are confirmed. I think people are really looking forward to it. It'll be interesting. You know, the three teams coming up are all very strong. Um, they all play good football. We've, we've played um, both Cumbernauld and Darbo recently and they're really good games, both of them. Um, and Blantai, by all accounts, are a really good team as well. So, so it's interesting. It'll be very competitive and I think going by you know social media and a couple of 
in all the group chats. There seems to be some teams going out and strengthening and making some good signings. So it'll be really interesting. I think there'll be a real battle up there to see who wants to progress in the Lone League and who's potentially going to challenge at top league. What do you think the ambition is at Glen Afton going in to the west of Scotland, Craig? Is is it you speak to the people there? Is is the aim of the club to one day get up into the Lowland League and and, and now keep on progressing as as far as they can go? Yeah, um, I, th- I think so. Yes, I mean, again, the club, the village, Newcombe is a, a quite a small village and kind of in the middle of Ayrshire where you know. They love their local rivalries. They love playing against your Cumnocks and your Talbots. Um, those are the big games that everybody gets excited for. And I think there'd be a, a bit of you know concern that they would miss that should uh, the club progress into the Lone League. Um, obviously, you've got a fair bit more travel associated with going up the league. Every team wants to win things. You know, you want to go and win the league. We, we had a real, we've had a real taste of success over the years. I've been there with one pretty much everything that can be won and there's nothing better than going and winning the league and if that brings you into the league above then great you know it's a fresh challenge it's something new and you know the club goes with it it is what it is and, and you, you take it as far as you can I guess You obviously touched on there you've, you've kind of won a lot of honours in your time your CV's really impressive a Super League a Division 1 a West of Scotland Cup Sectional Cup Scottish Junior Cup and inducted into the Glenafton Hall of Fame <laughs> What's the highlights there? Double winner as well, I believe. Uh, I it was treble actually. Treble was, was it? Uh, we won that evening. Nobody really talks about the evening times. The evening times cup. I actually that uh, that that rounded off the season really well because you know to go and claim three three piece of silverware is just. Treble was a treble, Craig. Treble was a treble. That's it, mate. That's it. Uh, and we don't uh, we don't half go on about it to be fair. But you know that that's got to be a highlight. You know. That season was was incredible, and, and the best thing about it is it was thoroughly deserved. You know, we, we were really really good that year, a really strong, great bunch of boys, um, some fantastic games, some great results. Um, that that's probably the highlight in terms of in terms of being there. Obviously, being inducted into the Hall of Fame came as a bit of a surprise, particularly because I was still playing. Um, but my name my name's up there now below uh, Ruffy. <laughs> the, the one in, the one just above me, but you know it's. It's a great, it's a great feeling. You know, I've get, I've went down there as a bit of a, a bit of a chance. You know, my old manager Dan Henderson took me there, um, and to be honest, when he first said he was going after me with a fancy, I thought, oh God, it's miles away. That's a horrible wee place to go to. But actually, it's a, it's a great club, great people. The committee's fantastic. Great, you know, the ladies' committee, the fans, everything about the place. I love. I've made a lot of, you know, real friends down there both in terms of the playing side and non-playing side and the fans. So it's been a great time. Um, and as you say, I'm very lucky to have won a lot of trophies down there. And you say your 10 years at the club will be a testimonial coming up? Well, there's, there's been talk of it. I think that this, so this is me going into my 10th season next year. So the club wanted me to sign a two-year last year to make sure that I got the testimonial. But you, you know what it's like with a young family and you know football changes. So, so I did the one year and then... I, I just I've agreed to stay another year, so that brings me into ten. There's a, there's another boy um, Ryan McChesney who's been there ten years. This is him going into his eleven season, so you've won this year. Um, and I think the plan with the club was to you know have something you know you know next summer at some point. But it'd be a great thing to do. But you know it's on on the back burner a wee bit. Let's go and win something this year and hopefully sign off in a in a high. Just going back to that 2017 season. I think you were twenty-one to win the league, twenty to one to win the league. Yeah. Four hundred to one to win the double at the start. I know you said the squad was a good bunch of boys, but did you have any inkling at the start of that season that it was going to turn out to be such a good season, or was it only after only after you'd you'd got some games going and you th- and then you realised we've got a squad here? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I've been around the juniors for, for a number of years prior to that, and and I know what you know a good a good squad looks like to go and win the league. And we were very fortunate here. We had a real good mix of kind of experience and young and younger boys, fresh legs. Um, so during, during the kind of close season, we were quite confident we'd be challenging. Certainly, um, maybe not thinking we'd go and win win all of it, but um, a few games in, we start. You know, we, 
we saw our different side to us because we, we were always a good football team. We always passed the ball well. We always created a lot of chances. But actually, we could have been criticised as being a bit soft at times, you know, conceding goals for set pieces, you know, conceding goals when we maybe should have put teams to bed. But there was a couple of games where we went down to 10 men quite early on. Um, we were waiting off and left, went down to 10 men just before half-time. Ended up winning the game 1-0. We went down to 10 men away at Thrun. Ended up winning the game. And those types of games are the ones where you think, we've got something here. And we just started, we just kind of kicked the games off. It wasn't like we were thinking, you know, we're going to win league. It was just one of the ones every Saturday we're turning up and putting in performances. And even when we weren't putting in performances, we were winning. And that's when, we, you know, you start to believe. And when... We actually won the, squad, the, the league the week prior or two weeks prior to the, the Scottish Cup. So that gave us a wee bit of a kind of boost going into the Scottish Cup game. We knew that we'd already got the league in the bag. We knew that, that we'd beaten uh, Auchinleck a couple of times that season. So we, we knew we had a, good, a real good chance going into the final. But you touched on the success there. And I think if you've been involved in football in a changing room that's you know had success, it's, it's actually off the park as well. And all the times... All the years you've been there, who's been the best pairing you've had? Who's been the best centre back you you played alongside? Oh, it's got to be big Chesy. I've been like fair, I've been there for so the whole time I've been there. Chesy's been there. We must have played you know two hundred odd games together at centre half. We've had a couple others at the time. Started off, I actually started off playing right back at Glens and right mid and all over the place. It wasn't probably until a couple of seasons in where I played at centre half, but. Um, we had Robbie Henderson to start with, who's a, who's a right good player. Um, and recently we signed uh, Craig Pettigrew, who's you know top top class. He's been about the juniors and seniors for years, and he's still you know the be- one of the best in the league, if not the, be- the best in the league in my opinion. So we've, I've been really fortunate. Big Chesy goes and wins the headers, and I sweep in behind. So seems to work quite well. What's it like when you've played with somebody that length of time there, is there a telepathy there now, telepathy, that, you know, you instinctively know what's going to happen now, you you, you sometimes don't even have to do the shouting? Uh, Aye, it would, it would if uh, Big Chesy had a brain, but, (laughs) 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 Chesy's attributes are incredible, you know, he's, He's huge. He's a good foot taller, mate. So it makes sense that when we're playing together, he goes and attacks the ball, and I and I sweep in behind. Um, and the big man's got ability as well. You know, he can he can pass the ball as well. Um, and similarly, when it's when it's Pettigrew, you know, Pettigrew is really strong in the air, but like great talker, but actually, you know, very clever with the ball as well. So the way we play football is try to pass the ball from the back. So whichever one of the three of us are playing, you know, we do try and get the ball down. We do try and play out the way so uh, it's, it, it works well it does it really does fortunately you know we get probably for me two of the best fullbacks in the league either side is Alan Cairns on the left is just so consistent great left foot um, and Kyle McCausland on the right who you know played a really high standard and is top top quality as well you know as good as you'll get in the juniors so really strong uh, defence we've had throughout the years What about captaincy is that always Something that's come quite naturally. You've been there, what, Captain Six? This is your sixth season? I think I six, six seasons, I. I, 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 I was a captain throughout, you know, all my school years and even the Stennis youth teams and whatever. Um, and then when I, I think it was Tommy Bryce that made me the captain, actually probably a wee bit out of default, actually, because it was a year Harrowford took Taz, uh, Taz, who was our captain previously, plus three or four other players probably in the next natural step um, all moved to Harrow for the same time and there was only a handful of us left and I took I was given the captaincy at that point and you know it's a, it's a great honour you know it's, it's it's something that for me is more than just on the park on the park's great I'm not the loudest at shouters but it's more so about just making sure that the boys are alright and you know there's a good atmosphere at the club both on the park but more importantly for me you know off the park that training's good and people Boys, it's a good atmosphere. People feel respected. People feel that they've got an opportunity to talk, and you know all that kind of thing is much more important to me um, for making, as you said, a team. Um, and that's you know a huge chunk of what success is all about: getting boys all pulling in the right direction. I mean, are you are you the guy who will arrange the nights out, or do you do you delegate that to somebody I, else? I, it's delegated now, but I get a bit of grief for that because the last couple of years, obviously, I've had the two kids and I've, I've missed a few. But no, I, you know, there's a, there's a group of us in 
throughout the years, particularly the the, Scottish, the the year we won everything 2017, you know, the nights out that year were incredible. We'd, almost after after almost every big game, there was a big group of us out. Um, when we won the when we won the league in the trophy, you know, there's big groups of boys down in Newcomlock until the Monday. So it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was a real, in fact, I say the Monday it was a Tuesday actually. Um, the cup was it on the Sunday. So no, that's a big part. Of it. You know, the boys all social socialised together. And the 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 plan when this lockdown finishes is hopefully um, once things return to some kind of normality and it's it's okay to do so that we'll we'll get a wee trip away. Um, We've been to Durham a couple of years, and that's always a good, a good wee place for somewhere, you know, the boys to get a bit of bonding together. Do you think that's why the team have done so well? You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of team spirit there, morale that's built up. It doesn't always have to be on the training ground. Aye, no, that's that's a huge part, huge part. You know, you, you can always tell, you know, by by what's going on in group chats. You know, if if, if the place is noisy and busy, and there's lots of stuff going on, and you know, people chipping in with all sorts, then, then you know things are, are going well. And when it's a bit quieter, um, that's when you know there's a wee bit of uncertainty, a wee bit, you know, people maybe need a wee lift and, and pull back up again. And when you go back to, you know, the last four or five, I mean, since, since we won the Cup, there's a, there's a number that are still there. And we're obviously still pals and still speaking group chats, but the, those who have moved on and moved on to other clubs, we all still speak fairly regularly. Um, we've got another group chat of boys that, you know, it's probably just as busy as the other one, the guys that you've not played with for four or five years. Well, that was my next question. If you're in the group chat, who's the loudest? Oh, there's a few. There's Craig Pettigrew is unreal, honestly. Every Saturday night, without fail, up having a couple of beers with his dog. And I'll wake up, you know, no matter what time I go to my bed, sometimes I'm going to my bed at one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, and I still wake up with 20, 30 odd messages in the morning. <laughs> I mean, you know, Family Fly and Gunner and Cairnsey, or, you know, just all back and forwards out the, out having their beers. Obviously, it's, it's been funny, the, the lockdown, you know, boys don't have the outlet to go out with their pals. And, yeah. It's interesting to see how boys are dealing with that on a Saturday night. <laughs> I think in our group chat, I think it's uh, every night. Through <laughs> lockdown. Uh, so I think that stays off the, the, the group chat with the gaffer, though. That's that's the boys' ones. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, one where everybody's sending in their five Ks and all that nonsense. Apparently, <laughs> the goalie coach does sixty K in his bike and sends that and puts all the boys to shame. <laughs> how's, how's your 5k's going uh, they're not no I've done a few actually to be fair I've done, I've done a couple early doors for those kind of nomination type things um, and I was coming in no bad just over 21 minutes so it's relatively fit um, but I've actually been enjoying going out on the bike a lot more I've been doing 20-25k every second day on the bike um, the weather's been great um, so it's nice to get out um, do a bit of that keep a bit, a bit of cardio going Um Boat running just kind of blows me a wee bit, to be honest. I've got, as I said, I've got a couple of great golf courses up here. I'll do go and do kind of shorter stuff, but long distance running just blows the life out of me. Where does the nickname come from? Z. Aye, aye. Uh, oh God, I think it was under fifteens, maybe at Stenhouse Muir. The coach um, was a big guy, and he uh, had. Uh, uh, I can just remember with two big sets of false teeth and he just used to shout Menzies, Menzies, Menzies and then for some reason it's G and then that's just stuck, you know, for, from under 15s at Stennis Muir right through my career to the, to the extent where sometimes the, the manager or somebody will read out Craig Menzies and people look around and go, who, who's that? <laughs> people, people go, Craig, huh? <laughs> no, that was your name. So, uh, it's just stuck. You mentioned uh, Stenhouse Muir coming through there. Do you always look back and think, what if you know you've done well at juniors? What might, what might have happened if if your career had gone in a, a different path? A wee bit. I mean, I, I feel like I probably found my level. To be fair, um, when I was seventeen, eighteen, I was kind of about the first team playing, you know, ten, fifteen games a season, and, and feeling like this is my chance. Like, you no know, going runs of ten games in a row, and then. The manager would sign an experienced right back, like you know, 25, 30 year old, and then all of a sudden you're down the pecking order again. It felt like you were a wee bit an easy option, you know. There was game times where I was going through really strong spells, getting really good reviews, a um, couple opportunities to go 
in trial places and things like that, and then it just broke down, you know, and, and then you find yourself at the start of the season behind 10, 15 games before you get back in. So there was a wee bit of that, but I reckon I probably did find my level. Um, I had a couple of chances to go and do the American scholarship. That's probably the thing I think. I wonder if I'd went and done that and trained full-time, whether or not that had made a wee difference in getting a chance to go up the ladder. But to be honest, I've, I've had a brilliant career at, at the juniors. I love it. If I had the chance now to go and sign with a, a League Two club, I'd say no. I see the travel, Elgin away and a, a both. All the, all the places I used to go every every second week. Um, when I was at Stennis, we were the only teams close to you were Queen's Park and Albion Rovers. You know, you're, the rest of it, you're miles away. Um, I wouldn't fancy it. Um, I actually prefer the juniors. The, the football, I think, is more enjoyable. Um, the grounds, I think, are more enjoyable. Um, and it's, it, it suits my life. You know, I've got a couple of kids and you know a, a job in the city so it, 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 it fits everything fits so who would have been the manager at the time at Stenhouse Muir when you broke in who gave you your, your debut uh, there was a couple I was in and about the squad a wee bit we, there was well, John McVeigh was there initially who was who was <laughs> no, I was only a young boy in, in the youth team there it was Des McEwen um, actually who gave me brought me up for the under 17s into under 19s and then brought me into the reserves. He was at the the kind of youth team manager and then he got the first team job and he gave me my debut and gave me my first contract and then uh, eventually moved on and then it ended up uh, there was Campbell Money for a bit and uh, John Kaufman as well. So three you know good managers. Des was brilliant. Des still is brilliant. You know everything he does for for charity is incredible. In fact, I was giving him a shout. He him and his is a it's kind of a group of friends called Team McEwen. Uh, they've surpassed a million pounds for McMillan. Um, all, all, all sorts of different things, you know, really, really impressive work that they do. So I thank them for, for giving me the chance. And then it was Campbell Money eventually went to, to Cumnock with Darren Henderson. And they, it was them that, that kind of convinced me to go junior. So, I mean, Des is always out running, cycling, going up a mountain somewhere, isn't he? He's, he's, he's never kind of seems to be doing nothing. Uh, Aye, fittest guy alive. He's, he used to take the running back in the day, and it was, you know, <laughs> pre-season running, big, uh, long runs throughout some of the, the big parks through that way, and he was always at the front, you know, the big long legs, striding away for every day, really impressive. And that was after, you know, a really bad injury, uh, and he yeah. broke his leg. Yeah. Um, he's a fit, fit guy. And then into the into the juniors from there, was it straight from Stenhouse Muir? Who did you uh, was, go with then? Uh, it was so Campbell Money um, and Dan Henderson took over at Cumnock and convinced me to go there. I had the option of staying at Stenhouse and, and doing uh, pre-season there. They just signed the boy Chris McGrotty, um and they'd say, the, the manager John Coffin was telling me come in pre-season. I think there'll be something there for you, but I, I didn't fancy it. You know, I didn't feel like I needed to prove myself for the pre-season there. So the chance to go to Linlithgow and, and uh, Cumnock, the wee trial actually with, with Auchinleck at the time as well with Tucker, but. Come look, you know, I, I knew a couple of boys that were going there, um, and at that point they were training at the Kibble, um, just at Paisley. So that yeah. was pay- that was just down the road for me. So it suited to go there, but it wasn't the best of starts. We ended up getting relegated that that year, so um, quickly moved on in the in the summer. But what happened is I was actually I got a job down in Newcastle um, that summer, and I was going to be down there commuting down there um, Monday to Friday, and. I, you know, I could I, I committed to coming back for training, you know, once, two, three times a week, uh, a month, sorry. But it come that that wasn't going to work. You know, Stevie Farrell needed full commitment, so I, fair enough. So I moved on. I, I went again with Dan Henderson um, over to Dorai, um, and that was brilliant. Great club. You know, I had a brilliant couple of years there. We, you know, we talk about team morale and, and changing rooms. Absolutely the best changing room I had in terms of. Being mates, you know, we're in a group chat still. In fact, John Garrick, who's a Hurlford assistant, set up a group chat the other day, and there's, I think there's about 20 of us the Dorai days all in there. Some of the boys were the same pattern, but thought about having a get together in the next uh, in the next couple of months when things get back to normal. Somebody tells me that you're also a Rangers fan. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Your verdict? Uh, but I'm a mess, isn't it? Not Rangers, I mean the, the whole thing. Every day, you know, there's just statements all over the place. There's real infighting between what seems everybody. It's quite difficult to piece together where everything's actually at. I do, I, I, you know, people might think it's because I'm a Rangers fan and 
because because you know Celtic are winning the league. I, I've got no issue with Celtic winning the league. You know they were top of the league by some distance. They were going to win the league anyway. I've got no real concerns with that whatsoever. You know the inconsistency of governance and some of the, the problems that are, that are there. I do I do just feel like whatever happens, just do the inquiry. If if it's if it turns out there's a problem there, then fix it. And if it turns out there's no problem there, it shuts the end of plus all the other clubs up and they can move on. So for me, there's no real there's no real issue there. Just do it. There's enough unanswered questions there to proceed with that. Are you a fan of Steven Gerrard and what he's brought to the club? Uh, yes, uh, it's funny. You know, obviously with any club, in particular big clubs, is a real you know polar opposite. Some People absolutely love the guy, and I'm probably closer towards that than thinking he should he should get the hook. You know, the difference between the club now and when he took over is huge, both in terms of the standard of player, the, the value of player, the quality of football, the direction I hope the club are going in, which I think are all massive pluses. And I think, realistically, he's probably the best manager we're going to get in terms of convincing boys to come to the club. Right now, um, but I think you've got to step by him. I think you know if you look at, obviously you look at things on paper. You know, look at Celtic's budget, you look at Rangers' budget, you look at Aberdeen's budget, you look at Habs, Hearts. Most clubs are where they should be in terms of budget. You know that that ten, tends to lend itself um, to where the league positions stand. And right now, where Rangers are is, is behind Celtic in terms of budget. You know, the size of the squad, the value of the squad, what resources are available to them. So I think the fans need to be a bit more patient. Um, it's not going to happen quickly. Um, I've seen big, big improvements and I'm quite content with that. And I think, you know, he's got to be given more time. And I hope he is. You know, I hope this summer, whatever happens, you know, they go out and strengthen and, and push on next year again. That tells me come that go win the league this year then. Second <laughs> <to> the budget. <laughs> oh, God, there'll be a few teams there. Uh, <laughs> some of, the, some of the, the rumours going about some of the clubs are throwing some money about yep. you know that'll be one of the interesting things it's a real chance for teams to get up the ladder are teams going to you know stick a twist there'll be a few a few teams have seen this as an opportunity to leapfrog Talbot and, and get up there what about some of the new teams that come in at the league I'm looking at some of the signings that Drumchapel are making and uh, mm-hmm. St Caddox and stuff like that they mm-hmm. must be really going for it I I really really interested. I do wonder though if you know not only was that kind of money for those clubs committed when they thought it was going to be a conferences set up and there was an opportunity for them to to go straight up, um, but also some of those players did they did they agree to sign based on that thinking you know everything's going to be even I'm going to be playing against big clubs, whereas now all of a sudden it's slightly different. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how those clubs do. As you said, both club, both of them two are getting some really great signings through the door. Um, really impressive. And every day, every day there's a new signing on Twitter <laughs> and on social media. Aye, that's, that's the best part, isn't it? Everybody loves the, the, the football gossip. I'm texting my gaffer saying, who are we signing? Come on, t- tell me. I won't tell anybody. And then I'm straight on the boys saying, Albion Rovers are on the hunt for a new manager after they parted company with Kevin Harper last week. Whitburn are also looking for a new management team after boss Jason Bolam and his coaching staff resigned last week after two seasons in the job. They were sitting third in East Region Super League South when things went into lockdown. Pollock have been busy after their position in the new West of Scotland Premiership was rubber stamped. Former St Mirren defender David Barron has committed for another year after an injury hit first season at the club. The McCann brothers, Gary and Stewart... Grant Evans and Jamie Henry have also put pen to paper. Drumchapel United are continuing their signing spree ahead of their move from the amateurs into the West of Scotland Conference C. Scotland amateur cap Kieran McElroy has joined from St Pat's. Another team to step up from the amateurs, St Caddox, have also been adding to their squad. Veteran striker Aaron Miller has joined after five years at Clydebank. St Caddox will be in Conference B next season. And Lanark United have re-signed a number of players this week. Chief among them is attacker Ian Watt, who was interesting a number of clubs. Lanark will be in C alongside Drumchapel. Which brings us to our latest new feature, Inside the Mind. Each week we'll put our guests on the spot to look deep into their psyche and discover some hidden stories. Are you ready, Craig? Uh, I think so. <laughs> First up, who was your idol as a boy? Oh God! Uh, 
I love. I just loved football growing up. I, I, I used to, you know, football Italia, so there's a big, you know, pull towards some some of the players that used to feature high on that. But being a Rangers fan in my era, you know, blessed with McCoy, Smalls, Loudon, Ferguson, all these guys. But but in terms of idols, probably Gaza. You know, Gaza for me was just brilliant to watch. Everything about him. Um, he actually lived down the road for me um, in the village. Uh, where I grew up, so um, used to see him about sometimes, and uh, even at that time, you know, full, full of nonsense. And he used to do was a, a wee shop in the village, and he used to sit inside it with a fiver on the the, the fishing rod, and the uh, guys would go down, they'd pick up the fiver, they'd be wheeling it in, and, <laughs> and gluing gluing pound coins to the pavement and all that kind. Um, but just just you know, in terms of just ability, guys has got to be probably the guy. That I just loved to watch. Um, got his autograph as a young kid and just loved everything about him. Just his uh, the aura about the guy, you know, just incredible. Would you go to games back then with your dad, or and did you have a season ticket? I, well, well, my old man and my, my brother are Dundee United fans, believe it or not. Oh. Uh, they are from my dad. My family are all through from Dun, uh, Dundee, uh, but I was I was born through here and grew up through here and grew up watching that Rangers team where you know just. Loved some of the players and and started watching them through that. But uh, I used to go with my mates more 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 than anything else. But to be honest, see when see as soon as you get to an age where you're playing, like, you know, I used to play two games on a Saturday with the school and my boys' club, and then you know you'd be out on a Sunday or whatever. And then as soon as you get to sniffing about the first team with Dennis Muir, you were the rule was if you played less than thirty minutes. Oh, yeah, so, sorry. If you play, I played less than 30 minutes on the Saturday, then you still turned up on the Sunday for the the the, the 19. So there was a there was a spell about a year where I was, you know, playing in and out of the team, but also you know playing maybe coming on for 25 minutes and then having to go and then going playing 90 minutes on the Sunday and then 90 minutes with the reserves on the Tuesday and whatever. So so I had very little chance, but when when were possible, I what tended to be more European nights that I would get to. Yeah. Um, when I was when I wasn't training. Next question: Who's the opponent you always dreaded facing? In terms of team or player? Player. Player. Uh, God. Who always gives you a game? I'll prob- probably say the boy, Graham Wilson at Auckland Lake. I think um, for lots of different. He's actually played with Graham at Cumberland, and he was a kind of wide and tricky winger, and he was very very good. And now he's a kind of the kind of hard man of the juniors, you know, he's he's all he's forever backing in and throwing elbows <laughs> and he's he's very very strong and powerful. He's got a great left 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 foot. If you give him an inch, he's he's usually hitting a shot and he's very very strong in the air. So I tend to leave Chesney to deal with him. <laughs> <laughs> That's experience. Aye, no, no, he's 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 a right good player. And he he's one that could easily go and play uh, up the leagues and for whatever you know. Uh, has has found himself at home at Auchinleck and made a great career at it. So one was a trophy, so you can't really blame him for for not going up the three. Okay, what was the favourite football top you wore, and why? And this is club tops, playing oh, for clubs. Playing for um, oh, got to be the one we won the Scottish Cup then, 2017. Um, red strap, red Adidas strap. Embroidered with the, you know, the Scottish Cup 2017. Still got it actually. That's got to be the favourite one. And my daughter had the strip on the day with Baby Z in the back, and she's in all the papers and all that. So that, that's definitely got to be my favourite. It's funny though, and actually it fitted that year, um, which was the most important thing because we played a couple of years previously in the Scottish Cup against Hurlford, and we had uh, a white strip on that year. And I, I'm pretty sure mine was either it was definitely a large, and it was maybe even an extra large. So I felt like I was drowning in it. <laughs> I mean, it's like absolutely hanging off us. So, so they were, the club were told and for the final, I'll have a medium, please. <laughs> yeah, good answer. Uh, who's the best player you've played with? Oh, um, two, probably, probably, probably back at Stennis. David Templeton when he came through. Oh, yeah. um, he came, he came into the team, into the. The first team squad at 16, 17, and he was just, he was just different class. He was miles ahead of that level. You know, his debut, he was just completely changed the game. He was excellent, but probably in terms of all-round player, boy John Paul McBride, um, that came through at Celtic and was deemed the next big thing. He came, he was at Stenhousemuir, and he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Two-footed, you know, take corners with both feet, three kicks with both feet. Didn't really need to move very much. 
just positioned himself in the park and just dictated the game. He was, he was excellent, really, really good. And finally, what's the best practical joke you've seen played in a dressing room? Oh, God. PG or? PG. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I love all the old school ones. You know, you, you get the boys who phone boys and pretend they're agents or papers. And I love all that kind of thing. I've been done with that myself once when I was extended. In fact, I think it was maybe even John Paul McBride had done it to us. But, oh, God. The be- in fact, the best one was actually just spoken about the other day in, in the group chat with the Dorai boys. Sammy Cohen was our coach uh, there, who, and Sammy's an absolute legend. You know, he was uh, he was diagnosed with motor neurons disease when it, just prior to me arriving there, so he came quite ill. And you know, just a, a really nice guy. Every day, you know, really championed him. And uh, we did a, a bit of a kind of fundraising event, or Airdrie held a fundraising event for him through uh, the Airdrie Stadium, and we had a big bus for the Dorai going. So you had all the all the players, all the all the committee, a couple of fans, whatever all piling on this bus and pretty much all of us lived in, in kind of Ayrshire or Renfrewshire type way so we were all on this bus and uh, we're picking up one boy who, who lives in Glasgow like the boy Tony McCormack so obviously everybody's told you know it's pretty smart casual type thing everybody's got jeans but on the slide told big Tony it's full get up so we're all obviously on the bus and that we all get a couple of beers on the bus and obviously everybody's quite excited and they're driving up they're picking up at Charing Cross everybody's getting all that kind of Excited, we're looking at the window, and sure as sure as rain, the big man turns turns around the corner, full full kilt, full kilt socks, waistcoat, blazer, <laughs> oh, a full bus about fifty, just absolutely. <laughs> uh, big man done 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 in really, but to be fair to him, just walked on, smiled, laughed, pulled pulled out a beer and and sang it. You know, he, he took it took it really well, but then. He, you know, the social club boys going in with, with our jeans on and the big man all counted up. Brilliant. <laughs> Superb. <laughs> Take you back to John Paul McBride ringing and making out he was a reporter. At, at what point did you, or did you smell a rat, or did he take you all the way? Uh, no, no, I got it quite quite sharp. Which was funny because actually, I think I think he was in the car with me, with Sinky or somebody, because I could hear somebody laughing straight away. I'm like, ah, that's, that's done. But it's funny because maybe about a year later, I got, I got a phone call from the paper and uh, the guy was obviously saying, hi, Craig, can I have a wee chat with you about your new contact? And I'm going, aye, all right, who's this? Who's that? <laughs> saying, right, here's your number, I'll phone you back. So I put him through the ring and said, no, I'll have your, your number and I'll phone you back just to make sure I was going to get the wind up. So as I said at the start of the show, Craig, you've been, you've been busy in your day job for Macmillan Cancer Support. Can you maybe just tell us some, some more about what you, you usually do and how things have maybe changed during the last couple of months? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody knows who McMillan Cancer Support are. Uh, not a huge organisation that, that support people affected by cancer in many different ways, um, both in terms of their health, you know, clinical um, effects of cancer, but also um, the kind of non-clinical effects of cancer. And that's where Mary sits. So it's looking to support people with access to kind of financial, practical and emotional support services that kind of support both themselves, so people with a cancer diagnosis, but also their family, their friends, their neighbours, their work colleagues um, with questions and concerns they have about cancer. So we, we deliver information support services all across Glasgow and Western Bartonshire um, and other areas of the city through other, through other partners. It's, it's, it's really just trying to make sure that anybody at all affected by cancer has somebody to talk to um, and somebody somewhere where they can find out about all the services that are available for them. Um, you know, there's, there's benefits and financial support. There's Macmillan grants who, that help people financially, but there's housing support, there's physical activity, there's complementary therapies and counselling uh, that we deliver in partnership with Cancer Support Scotland, another fantastic charity in Glasgow. Um, so really it's just about you know, breaking down barriers for people who are affected by cancer to access support services and um, to support them through, you know, what they're going through. So obviously, you know, that's quite challenging. Yes, sometimes the diagnosis um, and this lockdown's kind of caused, you know, chaos um, in, in those uh, individuals' lives um, for lots of different reasons, you know, even simple things like people getting access to their treatment um you know, lots of people who live across the city who maybe rely on public transport to get to, to their, um, their appointments. But actually, you know, the coronavirus has caused real issues with people um, getting on public transport um, and getting across to the, to the appointments. So there's, there's things like that, but, you know, there's also big challenges with, with the lack of support 
available to people when they're in their, in their own home. You know, pretty much limited to telephone, email, internet type support at the minute. Um, so it's really challenging for people. So our our program is just trying to support people in whatever way we can, and um, be that by the phone, over at uh, email. There's a fantastic forum on the McMillan website that helps people ask questions, and that's all regulated by McMillan nurses. So it means that you know it's quality assured, it's up to date, it's trusted, and all those types of things. So really, what we're just trying to do is make sure that people are still aware that albeit we can't see you face to face, there's still services there that can help. How did you get involved, Craig? Were you always, uh, did you work in the charity sector or third sector previously taking this this role on? No, uh, when I was at uni I studied physiology and sports science, So, uh, but I just really didn't fancy being in a lab all day, you know, it was, I, I, so I, I took a year out, I worked in hospitality for a bit and then uh, that's when I moved down to Newcastle, I did the NHS graduate management training, so it's like a kind of step into management alongside a postgrad and a master's around public health management leadership. So I was down there for two years, and that's when, when I was at Dorai. When we were at Dorai, we ended up getting semi final Scottish Cup. So I was travelling home sometimes twice a week for training, and it was just killing us. So I, just, I was always looking to get home, and then a job came up with McMillan. So I wasn't ever particularly looking to get into the third sector, um, but it kind of landed, and, and the job seemed perfect. And I've been there now eight years in a couple of different roles. Um, I'm actually employed by an, an organisation called Glasgow Life, which is another yeah. sector organisation in the city, and they work in partnership with McMillan. So McMillan fund the, the post and, and the, the partnership, and Glasgow Life um, helped deliver it. So it works really well. Um, two great organisations really looking to remove inequality of access across the city. So it works really well, and I, and I thoroughly enjoy it. You know, it's challenging. We've got a great team. We've got... 120-odd volunteers across the city who are doing brilliant things and supporting people affected by cancer. So it's a really good position I'm in and I thoroughly enjoy it. Obviously, working with Macmillan uh, throughout the day, you you come a lot, uh, across a lot of heartache in people's lives and football for you will be kind of your escapism from that. But it must be a really rewarding job as well and kind of fulfilling. Aye, absolutely. Um I mean, it is challenging. Of course, it's challenging, and it's you sometimes have really difficult conversations uh, with people, and you know, and situations through no, no fault of their own, really difficult situations. It's and it's challenging. Great, I'm very fortunate to get a great team around, so we we bounce off each other well. We're very knowledgeable team, well networked. So we we tend to be able to do a lot of good. You know, we we do. We provide excellent services, so we know that we make a difference, and that's something where you can always go away knowing that we're supporting people. You know, we get people who come into our services who maybe really stressed, anxious, really kind of uptight, and, and not really sure where to turn. But quite simple is a half hour with a cup of coffee with a volunteer who's there with their own choice and wants to just be a listening ear, be that person that can that somebody can talk to. And then all of a sudden that individual's leaving with their shoulders down a wee bit, a bit more relaxed, being able to offload to somebody who's not their husband, their wife, their mum, their dad, whoever it might be. And you can't underestimate how important that is. You know, people go away feeling a bit more at ease, a bit more reassured with what's going on and better connected to what's available. So, yeah, I do, you know, often go home and think I'm, I'm really lucky, actually, that I'm in a job that you can physically see differences in the impact that the programme's making. But you're right, going to training... You kind of put everything when you're going to change and everything's away anyway. You know, when you go home and your kids are there, it's, it, it kind of helps you put all that to the side and, and get on with things. And you talk about the Macmillan Volunteer Program. How can people get involved with that? Do you have to have a qualification to do that, or is it something you can just sign up and register with and Macmillan put you through training? I yeah, absolutely. No qualification required. You know, the only thing we ask is it's 18 plus. So we've got, as I said, about 120 plus volunteers ranging right across all demographics in the city. You know, from 18, I think our oldest volunteer currently is about 74, 75. Um, and we've got a whole host of people. You know, we've got students. We've got people who are seeking employment and want to build their, their skill set and their um, CV. We've got people who are retired. You know, really senior positions and retired and want to give something back. We've got a number of people who've had cancer themselves or family members who've been affected by cancer. So really, it's open to anyone, and it's a really good, great thing to do. You know, there's excellent training opportunities, there's excellent support, but it's a really great social thing as well. You know, the amount of people who, who do any kind of volunteering. One of the 
the kind of key things that come out of that is that you meet new people, you meet like-minded people who are trying to, to, I guess, give something back to their local community. So people can get involved. Um, there's lots of different opportunities. The best place to find out about that um, would probably be to either visit our website, which is probably in terms of this goes across the country, the best place to, to visit is the McMillan website where you can find out what's available. Um, there's volunteer pages on there that gives you an opportunity to see what's available in your local um, community and also you know, just drop an email or a phone and people will direct you to maybe what suits, suits most. Because there's, there's a whole range of roles, you know, that you can do kind of emotional support listening ear type service, which is face-to-face supporting people. But if that's maybe not for you and you'd rather do some support, something like a volunteer driver, then there's other opportunities. So it might be there's a role to, to suit different types of things that people are looking for. Presumably there are roles that um, you could do with filling right now, particularly in the current environment. Well, well, unfortunately, the, the current situation has kind of put most of our volunteer programme on hold. Um, we are, the Melon are setting up a, a befriending programme, which is looking to recruit volunteers to provide telephone support um, yeah. across the country. So there will be some information coming out about that. Um, again, best place to, to go to would be the website, um, either the website or via the social media. If you keep in touch with well um, on Facebook, then you'd be you'd be most likely to find out what's what's going on. But our own programs are all kind of on hold and on pause. Um, face this face stuff and the the telephone and email support's been picked up by the staff team. With your background in football, do you ever use football to act as a bond with somebody who comes in for that cup of coffee or? even during this t- downtime as well is you know football can be a distraction for people can't they whether they're going through diagnosis yeah. treatment you know living with cancer i suppose it can be a good good subject to take people's mind off of the of the, the, the wider issue yeah, i'm sure yeah, he tells that i'm sure he tells the travel story to anybody even if they don't <laughs> want to hear it <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've been accused of that in the past. <laughs> opening line, line of every conversation. No, um, no, I mean, absolutely right. You know, quite often, and it's, it's not just about football, it's, it's all sorts of different, you know, general topics. It's, it's interesting, and our volunteers tell that quite often that, you know, people go in and, and they'll maybe seek the service out or have a wee seat, and for maybe half an hour sometimes, you're talking about the weather, the TV, football, all sorts of different things just to you know, calm people down, give them an opportunity to, to get settled, to start building that relationship um, before they maybe feel confident and, and willing to kind of open up and share what can quite often be a really difficult um, set of circumstances to talk about. So absolutely, and, and you know, loads of examples and loads of, of good ones where football has become a, 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 an opportunity to talk things over, both with volunteers and um, service users, particularly out in the east, there's a couple of service users if I'm out there and they'll be they'll be winding me up about the juniors, you know, when's the last time he's won anything and all that kind of thing and the big, you know, obviously the Shettleson through there, big Shettleson fans and they'll go down the social club and all that kind of thing, so I, there's, there's definitely a, a common ground there that, that helps um, and like anything, you know when people are affected by any kind of long term condition, if there's ways in then, then absolutely that's a great a great thing to do. So if you look at things like Prostate Cancer UK have made great progress in working with football clubs, I guess encourage males to come forward and talk about their cancer diagnosis and what's worrying them. Um, there's a there's a guy, a volunteer in the East of City called Tam who volunteers for volunteered for us previously now for Prostate Cancer UK and he goes into to Celtic Park and Ibrox to, to chat to guys to give them a, an opportunity in a really kind of familiar environment to help relax them and give them maybe something in common, a wee kind of support type group, and that seems to work really well. Is that stuff clubs can get involved with? Because obviously football is a great engagement tool. I always remember somebody once saying, you know, people don't, you know, men don't like going to the doctors and things like that. Is there programmes throughout football clubs that uh, people can engage with? Yeah, there's there's a few. There's it tends. To, I mean, a lot of it's down south, but there's, there's a few football clubs doing some great things just now, particularly around mental health. Actually, um, I actually saw a, a video. I think it was Breathing Space with Clyde Bank the other day. Seen that? Yeah. Players doing a wee video and trying to encourage people to, you know, if you're if you're going through a tough time, to talk about it. And there's lots of, you know, really good examples of clubs doing local partnerships with local food banks and all all sorts of different things. It's a really good thing to do. You know, it's 
football clubs are seen as being, you know, quite often at the kind of centre of the community, and it's an opportunity where people find out about a lot of things just by talking to the guys beside them in the stands. So it's a really good, really good opportunity. As I said, there's some big organisations doing it, but I just love all the all the small the small clubs doing it. I don't mean small clubs, but you know the juniors um, across the country doing little partnerships with various different organisations local local to them. How vital do you think your role is right now? when the coronavirus lockdown is happening? Because you hear now of people talking about, obviously there's the coronavirus being addressed, but there's but they're now calling these secondary illnesses because people aren't now going to the doctors or they're, you know, they're wary about going to the doctors when they've actually got something that could be quite serious. And, and, and you, you know, do you get many calls along those lines? And, and what would your advice be to somebody maybe listening to this programme who's yeah. in two minds about what they should do? Yeah, uh, I mean you're spot on. There's, that's that's a real fear, you know. Of 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 course, coronavirus is the big um, the big challenge right now. But it's all those people who are maybe sitting on signs and symptoms and thinking, oh, well, there's lots of different things. You know, people are thinking, oh, I don't particularly want to go to my GP practice right now. I don't really want to be crossing the door. The, the, the NHS is too busy. Oh, uh, they can deal with my my problems another time. Um, so we saw that, you know, there was some stats uh, came out. There was, I think, it was a seventy percent reduction in people presenting to their GPs with signs and symptoms of cancer, which is really, really concerning because at some point those signs and symptoms are going to um, escalate and cause more of a problem. So absolutely, you know, and, and since that, fortunately, there's been some great guidance coming out from the government and from various different organisations to try and encourage people. You know, the NHS is still open. Go to phone your GP if you've got any concerns. Um, you don't necessarily have to go and cross the door. Just give them a call, talk to them, um, tell them what, what, you, what you're worried about, and they, they should be able to help. So the message is just that it's clear. You know, yeah, any signs and symptoms of any long-term condition or illness, um, both physically and mentally, doesn't stop um, because of coronavirus. Uh, if anything, it's more important now to, to come forward and, and ask somebody for for some help. So yeah, that's really the clear message. Just get in touch. Don't don't worry about you know the fact that NHS is already really busy. Don't worry about the fact that you may have to go out and get some testing or anything done. If you've got a concern, that's a valid concern. Then you know give NHS and for uh, NHS twenty four a week call or your GP a week call. If anybody's listening and they they want more information, Craig mentioned the Macmillan cancer support website uh, the website is www.macmillan.org.uk and we'll link to that in the show notes before we finish up we'll clear up this down the divisions decider just a <laughs> reminder just a reminder this week's clues were Bathgate Thistle beat Cumnock to win the Scottish Junior Cup OJ Simpson was found guilty of charges of kidnapping and armed robbery Spotify was launched and James Bond, Quantum of Solace, was released. Craig, your your uh, answer was? I think 2006. Paul? 2008. But I only went 2008 because Craig went 2006. And two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was 11 years out. So <laughs> I, put, I put a marker down. Well, we have, we have breaking news on down the divisions this evening. Paul Davis has gone one up. Ah, oh, no. Yes! It's in there! <laughs> 2008, you're right, Paul. I, I have to thank Craig for that, because honestly. <laughs> then I'm thinking OJ Simpson, I'm thinking, but that boy's got previous, isn't he? So, so, it, must have been, so it must have been 2008, I said we come not then, that must have been. Aye. Well, Craig, thanks very much for, uh, for joining us. Uh, keep up the good work at uh, Macmillan, keeping everybody going through through a difficult time in so many ways, and all the best with things at um, Glen Afton. Hope, hope it's not long before you're back on the on the pitch, and uh, we can see how the West of Scotland League kicks off when it when it eventually gets going. But appreciate you coming on tonight. Enjoy the stories. No, I appreciate that. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Craig. Cheers, guys. Don't forget, you can get in touch with the show with comments or suggestions for people to speak to. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Do leave a comment, which helps others find us, and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll speak to you again next week on Down the Divisions.